Tim and Paula wants to know, tell everybody, we were with Tim and Paula, they want everybody to know that they really love, love you guys and miss you, and they will be coming back home for a <clears throat> furlough, I guess, next April time frame for several months. Then they'll be going back on the mission field to wherever they go. Wherever, I don't know how that's going to work out, but that's not our concern right this moment. But they are just wanted to tell you their kids. I know a lot of people are really concerned about Becca and Logan and Micah going over there to Uganda and living, you know, having to live like they had to live. But those kids are flourishing. They are flourishing. I mean, those kids are healthy. Physically and emotionally, and so they're as healthy as kids you ever lay your eyes on. I mean, they are really doing great. I mean, I was, I mean, we drug them kids all over the place. We drug them into some places I didn't want to be drug into. <laughs> Stand out in the middle of fields in the midday sun, about to burn up, and they were just as happy as they could be. And uh, sit through meetings, you know, you're talking about go to a, a meeting that lasts six hours. Those kids, they go play, come back in, lay down, go to sleep, whatever. I mean, but they just was—it was just wonderful. So the Lord has really blessed him and Paula over there. He's really blessed them, and and you can see it in the children especially. And that was just a real blessing to me. And those kids are just as sweet as sugar. Maybe that little Micah, remember Micah? That baby is just wonderful. I'm, I mean, I had such a good time being around those kids. It was one of the real fun things whenever I wanted to be in a bad mood is go talk to the kid. <laughs> Kept me from being grumpy. Lord, thank you for Tim and Paul this morning. Remember that they're in Uganda serving you, and we thank you for that. Lord, and just we want to ask you to bless this offering in the name of Jesus. Amen. Somebody want to, who went to Zimbabwe, go ahead. Say something. You know, if you can. We was on an airplane so long, you wouldn't believe it. I feel like a zombie. <laughs> you know, sitting in an airplane. I mean, we went, we left at 10 o'clock Friday night, and I got and walked in my house at 6 o'clock, after 6 o'clock last night. And it was either on an airplane or trying to get from one place, you know, get off the airplane and get to the next one. <laughs> That's what we did. Yeah, been midnight Zimbabwe time. Yeah, right now in Zimbabwe, it's 6, it's 6 o'clock in the evening. We've had a long day. <laughs> We've been blessed, though. The Lord blessed us over there in a big way and did so much. It's incredible. We went to a conference. Basically, the week was broken up two things. We went to a conference by Pastor Sam Manika's uh, Destiny Ministry, uh, which was pretty awesome. And that was like the first week. The second week, we went out and visited three rural churches. And when I say rural, man, we are talking rural. We're talking this. Drive for hours down a paved road. And suddenly you go off the paved road and drive a long ways down a dirt road. Okay? I mean, a long ways. Miles and miles and miles and miles into the middle of nowhere. Suddenly the bus slams, brakes, stops. You jump out, and there's these people standing there waiting on you in the middle of nowhere. And where do they come from? <laughs> And so you have your little church meeting. There's a little church out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, they just were so happy to see us, those people. They were like, but, uh, you know, those were three sites that proposed sites to build facilities is what K 
Calvary Community Church, through Hope Church, through His Heart Missions, and any and people are trying to help them build actual church facilities. And that was part of the goal was to go look at what they were doing, see if they were ready, see if they were willing to do their part, which was make bricks and, you know, we help them with some of the expenses. Uh, but, so that was, you know, it was three congregations, and it was really, really the Lord to do that also, even though that was kind of rough on city boys. I mean, I'm now a city boy, even though I grew up in the country, but I didn't grow up in the country. I found out I'm not no country boy compared to them guys. They're country folk. <laughs> Those people really loved us so much. Those are the most humble people on the face of the earth, I'm convinced, and the most powerful people. There's a humility on those people. God can use them people to do miracles, and they'll wash your, and they'll come wash your feet. And you know they're not like Americans. We're so we got so much baggage on us. It's incredible that they don't carry. And there's a desperation over there. There's a desperation that we don't have. There's a desperation for God, and it's not just their circumstances. It's um, they are they want the Lord, and and they are not. A, they're not real wild. Okay, not wild. Uh, in their worship, they can get, I mean, they can do some dancing like you wouldn't want to even try to do. I mean, I, they did some stuff that's impossible. <laughs> that's impossible. Nobody can make their feet do. But it looks easy but you, until you try to make your body move like that. But they could do these things and they would do something with their feet that was just like, you know, and it was all perfectly in rhythm and it was incredible. Uh, but when you preach to them, they're very—they're uh, more British acting because they were like a British colony. They were, and they're real focused on you. Know, they're not like American blacks who, you know, amen, you know, preach it. You know how they do that. They're, they're not like that. They're—they're they're more subdued and sort of throws you off at first, like they don't like me. But actually, they do—they love you. And one of the—it was like I guess what it would be like a senior pastor who's over pastors in a church. He was sharing, and he was telling them, these are people out in the, in the rural area, he was talking about Tim and Paula being in Uganda, and he was saying, if y'all, if you people knew what, what people have done just to be here and what they've done for you, you would know that God loves you. So that's what he was saying to them. He said, these people got on this airplane and rode in these little bitty seats all the way over here just to see you, and that was God trying to tell you how much he loved you, how much he cared about you. And if you just knew... Uh, and I was thinking, that wasn't a big deal riding over there on that airplane. I mean, you know, it was miserable, but you know, I didn't really feel like it was anything great. But in their eyes, it was great. That's that's what it was. See, in their eyes, they received you as the Lord. And I just thought, man, we just we don't do that. And and they'll they'll believe when people stand up and say stuff. They believe it as the Lord speaking to them. Therefore, they have so much more wealth in some ways than we do. You know. How many in this room this morning feel like you're feel like you're distracted from the Lord? Raise your hand. Anybody? There's some hands. Anybody else over there? Raise your hand if you feel like you're distracted from the Lord. Well, the Lord doesn't want you to be distracted. And He's not mad at you. He just wants to let you know that it's okay and He can help you with your distraction. He wants to wants to fix your life. Because <clears throat> we got something they don't have. You know, and it's not just we're more. Um, it's not just natural things, not finances. Well, we got spiritual things that they don't they don't have that we have to impart to them. So it's like a two-way street: us giving it to them and them giving to us. 
And that's really how the kingdom of God spreads the world. I think that's what Paul said to the Romans. That he desired to see them so he could impart a spiritual gift to them. That is, that we both may be edified and built up in the Lord. And that's the way it works. Is they've got things to give us and we've got things to give them. And I want to encourage you that God's got something for your life, for you to give. Um, I wish you was more on fire for the Lord this morning. You know? I, I, I hope this is an appropriate time to say this, but I, I just want to paint a little scene for you. Okay? This is just one of the little scenes that happened in Zimbabwe. We had ridden to the end of the paved road, <laughs> to the end of the paved road, about four hours down this paved road, and we came to the end. There's a little growth center called Gokwe, and that's the last place there's any kind of development out that way on a paved road. And then we took a left, and we went about six miles down a little dirt road, a little over ten kilometers. And when we got out there, now you have to understand that they didn't know exactly when we were coming. They only knew that maybe we were coming on this day. And so we drive up down this dusty road and the, we drive up next to this little place out in the middle of nowhere where the government has given this church a, a, a piece of land that's a little bit over a half an acre where they can build a church. And they've heard this rumor that there's these guys from the United States who's willing to buy them some bags of cement to lay their bricks that they're going to make by hand and will buy the roof materials. And these are the things that they can't get. And so they've heard that these guys who believe God's going to help them build a church building, they've been waiting out there all day for you. And so you drive up and in the hot sun, and as soon as you drive up in your nice rented bus, you see everybody jump up. And this whole swarm of children come out singing in Shona and dancing like, man, I wish I could get going. I, I, I'm just... I'm telling you, I cannot dance like these children. And they're coming out and they're singing this song and they're dancing, you know, and here they come. And, and a whole bunch of them, they just surround you. And they're saying, I do not have to be afraid because Jesus is in me and He that's in me is greater than He that's in the world. That's what they're singing in Shona. And then they go, J-E-S-U-S. -S. And the whole crowd of them goes, J-E-S-U-S. And then, you know, they're just loving on you. And they come over and every child shakes your hand and wants to give you a hug. And they've been out there waiting hours and hours for you. And then we see the property and they've got a little thatched roof. You know, they've just stuck some sticks in the ground and made a little thatched roof thing to get them out of the sun. And we sit down there and we share about the love of God. And you just feel like you're with people that you were born to be with. They're on the same page with you spiritually, but they live way out in the bush in Africa somewhere. And then they take you and they say, you want to see the bricks? Because they've been making bricks. These same children in this church have helped make almost 2,000 bricks. Now let me tell you what they've had to do to make these bricks. 
And they're not bragging about it. You just find out by asking questions. This is what happened. They started making brick. Now, when you make brick, what you do is you dig a hole where there's some clay, and you pour enough water into it so that the dirt turns into soupy mud. And you get in there and you jump around in it with your feet until you make some mud. And then you scoop up mud and you put it in a little box-like form, and you pack it down, and then you take it and you dump it out in this this block of, uh, of mud that's going to be your brick weighs about two or three pounds. And they've got one form that'll make four bricks, and they've got three form that'll make two bricks at a time. And so they've, they've been doing this, and in the first place they started doing it, the water hole dried up because it's the dry season. So they couldn't make any more bricks there. And so they moved down the road about another half mile, and, and they started making bricks, and they made about 500, but every brick cracked because the soil was wrong. Where the water was, the soil was wrong. So they dug enough holes until they found another place where they could find the right kind of clay, and they dug down and they made this hole, but they have to carry the water 200 yards, twice the distance of a football field. There's little kids carrying these buckets of water from 200 yards away to dump in the hole and to mash it up with their feet and to put it in these little forms and then you dump it out in the sun and then they turn each one of the bricks over four times to get this mud bricks done and then they're going to stack it up into a big kiln and they're going to cut down trees and they're going to put wood in there and set fire in it that will last three or four days and that will cook the brick. Now that's what they're doing and when I saw the number of bricks, tons of mud that they'd mixed with their feet and carried water. These children and these old men, because the, the men who can are out working, and the women making these bricks because they heard a rumor that somebody was going to come and buy the cement and the roof so that they could have a church. I said, Lord, God, help us not disappoint these people. That was just one of the little scenes. The Lord really has called us to the nations. And we have a little small part. You know, in the the team that went over there, I, I think maybe we're too zoned out to even talk about what happened to us at this point. You know, but I just wanted you to to hear about this little church in Gokwe. It's not even in Gokwe. It's six miles out in the bush from a little crossroads at the end of the road. But in that place, there are people who love the Lord and are serving Him. And we're kind of connected. And I think that's wonderful. That's really good. Y'all okay? I'm going to assume you're okay. Okay. I want to tell you something. It was interesting what Jim said about, about I'm glad he shared that, because that really is, is something that God really spoke to me about over there. He spoke a lot of things to me. I want to share one thing with you this morning, which seems absolutely opposite of what my natural method of thinking is. And that is um, the importance of the local church. And I want to talk about it from a kingdom perspective, the kingdom of God. Because, see, 
the most boring, disgusting thing to me in the world is just do church stuff. It really bores me sick. In fact, I've spent all summer really seeking the Lord about our church and just talking to the Lord about it um, because it's been a, <clears throat> to me, you know, if I'm just doing church stuff, it, it's hard on me. It's difficult on me. Um, so anyway, this is, this is my life, Lord. This is what I'm doing with my life, and, you know, this kind of stuff. I mean, what, you know, what good is this? What is it doing in people's lives? Is it doing anything in people's lives? It's doing church stuff. And, um, but the Lord, you know, through stuff like that, really spoke to me something about the kingdom of God. And, you know, the focus, our focus being God and his kingdom. But how important it is for, church, for a local church to be thriving and healthy. Because if it's not true, what hypocrisy would that be? For us to go out and try to help them do something that's not, it has no eternal value to it. You know what I'm saying? Why should we go help them build a building to have a church if there's not something some of eternal value in doing that? You hear what I'm saying to you? Y'all with me? I mean, um, this other place we went to, we were, this is the one that building was built. I imagine this building with no, no roof on it, no walls in it, and the dirt floor. That was, they'd been working on this building. That's the state. So they want us to go in this building and with no roof on it, dirt floor, and have this meeting with them. Okay? So unfortunately, I followed Jim in there, and he went and stood out there in the park that didn't have no shade. We're talking about in the middle of the day, and the sun is hot in Africa. It's hotter there. That sun is lower to the earth or something. I don't know what it is, but it was about to burn me up. So we stand there in the sun in the middle of the day, standing in the dust in this old building with no roof. I'm thinking, you know, and the pastor, they are doing their thing, talking and saying stuff. And, of course, I knew they was going to want us to say something. And so I pray. I closed my eyes and prayed. I had this vision. This is what the vision was. I was in heaven, just standing in heaven. I knew I was in heaven, and I saw this black fella, black man, come walking towards me. He was black. Black people in heaven, by the way, if you know that, God puts black people going to heaven. If you're a racist this morning, you're going to have to live with black people eternally. <laughs> so you need to get over your racist attitudes. But he come walking up to me and he said, do you remember me? That's what he said to me. Do you remember me? And I did. And I opened my eyes and I looked. When I opened my eyes, my eyes went straight towards this little, little boy, four years old, five years old, I don't know how old he was. And it was that little boy that was standing there. But in heaven, he'd grown up and became a man and went, you know, lived his life and went to heaven. This was just happened in the future. I think it's going to really happen when I get to heaven. But it happened in a vision. Do you remember me? And, uh, you know, we got the kids over and prayed for them. But I really felt like the Lord was really speaking to me at that moment, more, probably more for me than them, um, about what we do on this earth uh, that has has eternal value to it. And because, you see, we were there, and that little boy, four years old, probably never seen my face on this side of me. And they might drag me back out there again. I mean, I don't, I mean if I go back there, I'm not going to be doing all that riding around out there in the dust because <laughs> it was about to just, just kill me and sore throat and everything else. But... 
there was a little boy that had an encounter with a person that lived on the other side of the world that affected his life. Okay? And this is how, how his life was affected. These people from the other side of the world trying to help those people build a building so they can minister to those people. And that little boy will grow up in that building. He will grow up in that church. And God will touch his life. And God will do something in that little boy's life. And that little boy will grow up and be a man who he himself will have an impartation of God into his life. And he will go out from that building and that place and he will lead other people to Christ. He will do whatever his calling is. Okay? He will function that. And when he gets to heaven, he's going to see one of those people that were there that had a part to play in his life. A minor part, you know, but nevertheless something that was significant, something that affected his life. Because it's significant for them to get a building. Stuff we take for granted is very significant to them. But you hear what I'm saying to you? See, what we do on this earth matters eternally. It matters eternally. And I begin to think about I begin to think about our church. In fact, the Lord woke me up and made me go through this thing and rehearse things about our church. Okay? And what I had to do, what he was trying to show me, is the things that we do in this church that really matter eternally. Okay? Because that's the things that mean something to God. It's not all this other stuff. Did y'all want to take the kids? Is that what y'all look at me like that for? <laughs> they were giving me these, these stares like, what is your problem? No. Kids, go on. I know it's late. And if you want to leave, you can just flat leave, but I'm going to say this anyway. <laughs> kids, go on. Because I think the Lord wants to say it to us. Okay? You, you got patience for it? You got grace here? This is short. Yeah, heck yeah, man. This ain't nothing. We used to do a six-hour marathon meeting, man. I know you Americans don't like that. And they did give us cushion chairs to sit in. I thank God for that because that's making their people sit in wooden chairs. It was rough on them wooden chairs. But this is a truth. Let me tell you, this is a truth. Let me, let me rehearse these things to you. How many people in here are praying for their neighbors? Raise your hand. Now, everybody's not raising their hand. I'm going to tell you something. It is hypocrisy for me to go to Africa if I don't really care about it. And this is what the Lord told me. He said, that ain't, ain't going to work, Byron. If you're going to go all the way across to the other side of the world and you don't care nothing about your neighbor. You see, because God loves my neighbor just as much as he loved that little black boy over there in Africa. And when we went out there in California, went to, to, went to Harvest Evangelism, they started talking to us about praying for your neighbors. I'm thinking... Hang on, I can't do that. Man, I can't, because you know, he was saying, you know, pick out five people to the front, five in the back, five to the left and right, and pray for them. Ever, not every day, but pray for them often. And just pray God's blessing upon them. I'm thinking, Lord, i got 980 people right now i got to pray for. Much less these neighbors that I don't even care for. You know, you know what I'm saying? So, but I said, Lord, I'll try this. I'm going to try to pray, pray for my neighbors. So I've sort of taken over my neighborhood. Over there, Brantley Acres. I don't know how many people are in that neighborhood, but I know most of them by name. I found out their names. I don't know, I don't know them personally. we got some new people to move in. But just, if I can pray like that, certainly you can. 
And, and simple prayers. Lord, I just pray, uh, you could pray Jabez's prayer. Just bless them, Lord, enlarge their life, Lord, empower them, Lord, keep the devil, get the, throw the devil out of their house, Lord. Just pray your blessing on these neighbors, Lord. And, and the whole thing was praying over your city to see the spiritual climate in your city change. In your city where you live, seeing God do something right here. You know, driving in the neighborhood as you go by the houses. Well, Lord, there's old, there's old Fred Brantley. Lord, bless old Fred. Good fellow, Lord. He's right here at the front of the neighborhood. Give him the ability to keep the devil out of the neighborhood. Bless, bless his daughter who lives opposite him. That don't take but a few moments. It could be daydreaming driving into the neighborhood. You see what I'm saying? That's important. It's important for you who didn't raise your hands to start praying for your neighbors. Because that's something God's called us to do right this moment. He has called us to do that. He's told us to do that. And if you're not doing it, you are disobeying the Lord. And I just want to tell you, you stand to be judged by God over it. Because God has given the responsibilities of this city to you and to me. He's given my neighbor's responsibility. I'm going to stand before the Lord. And the Lord's going to say, you know that man when he was out there mowing his grass and you'd bad him? He needed me. And you were over there just complaining about the way he, you know, he drives too slow on that lawnmower. He'd get that grass cut twice as fast as he'd get with the program. Still thinking stuff like that. Well, I did that for years. So I've been doing that since February. I've been able to pull this deal off. In fact, when I was in Africa, I was playing, praying for my neighbors. I wanted to. I didn't feel like I had to. I wanted to pray for them. And I've seen God start doing stuff in my neighborhood. He's run some people out of there. I'm serious. They've up moved and left because they had to. Because God will release His peace and the devil can't live in God's peace. He can't live there. Demons can't stay in the place where God's peace is. And you start speaking peace. And then there's the... That's the kingdom thing. That's not a church thing. That's a kingdom thing. There's these prayer meetings. Uh, Dean... Businessmen's prayer meet, meet at John White's club down downtown. Businessmen prayer meeting men getting up in the morning, one morning a week, and going and praying with other men for the city. That's good. That's the Lord. Can you do that? Could you give yourself a get up one morning a little bit early and go pray? I think you should. Now I'm not, I'm not talking about legalism. I'm just talking about that's a kingdom thing. There's young people who get up one morning a week. Young. I mean, this is miraculous. Megan Grant started a prayer meeting for these young people to get in there and pray for the city. We've got teenagers doing that. They get up at 6 o'clock in the morning. Even Philip. I mean, this, you, have to, you might use dynamite to get that boy up. He'll go every once in a while. I mean, I think he's, his friends have got to be there. You hear what I'm saying to you? That's the Lord. That's the kingdom thing. That's something God is pleased with. There's the women... I pray here every Thursday, but one Thursday a month they go and try to have a corporate with other churches. And that's been great. But now Rhonda, from what I understand, is going to start a intercessors. She's not. She's left too bad with Rhonda. No, she She's going to do it. And they're going to pray for the city. That's the Lord. That really is the Lord. And Jack Sayre, you know, he was here last month. And he was saying, you know, your church has a big leadership role. And I was thinking, what are you talking about? I mean, we're just barely making it. You know? And you're talking about us leading. But that's really what God is doing. And, and this is another big miracle. Pastors are meeting together once a week. This is miraculous. Jim and I tried for two years to get pastors to meet together. And we were floundering around like a bunch of fish out of water. A barbecue. And we ate more barbecue than you could stand. <laughs> but now we're meeting. And, we, and these pastors are being real.
talking to each other. And so, how's your church doing? Well, our church is doing wonderful, brother. <laughs> it's none of that stuff here. Well, you know, we're not doing that well, quite honestly. This is what's going on. Y'all, please pray for me. They laid hands on prayed prayed for me. Uh, Jim had, couldn't be there that week because Amber was having her surgery. And said, we're sending you to Zimbabwe. The pastors in the city prayed for me, sent me. I'm going to get together with our wives and have a meal together and so our wives can get to know them. That's miraculous. Uh, in the future, we're going to have a, like a Sunday night meeting where the churches come together, you know, and worship together. Just to say, you know, we're not just a bunch of people. We're over here, but we don't like those guys. And they're still our members. <laughs> no, you know, we're going to meet together and have something corporate. And I want to encourage you, that's a kingdom thing. It's not just a church thing. And you, if you could join in with that, that would be really good. But you can do one of those things. You might not. You can't go to the pastor's thing. We're not going to let, let you come to that. I'm sorry. But you could go to the business thing, man, if you're in business or you work. You could go to the intercessors thing. Or you could go to the young people thing if you're young. young. Or if you couldn't do any of them, you can sit in your house and pray for your neighbors. You can do that. You should be doing that. God requires that you do that. You must do that. And one of these days, something's going to really happen. And you'll get a chance to share the gospel with them and love them. And they'll get saved. Not all of them, but some of them will. They'll get healed. And you will have done something that is going to count for eternity. You hear what I'm saying to you? It's going to count for eternity. It's going to affect people's lives. That's missions at home. And then, of course, we have mission stuff. You, you know, these are not decorations. Although they are a nice decoration, these flags, they mean something. That means this. Somebody went to Britain. That's why that, they went there in the name of the Lord from this church. And that's why that flag is up there. So whoever you were who went to Britain, you walk in here one Sunday morning and you are feeling like you're going to fall away from the Lord and you're feeling crummy, you look up there and remember what God did in your life when you went there. That was one of the reasons. And I like, and I like them too. That's why I wanted them. Like that old Zimbabwe flag right there. It's a little bird on it. That one, the second one there. See, I can always remember what God did in my life there. I start forgetting. I can look up there as a memorial. You know, and, and the Lord has, you know, we start out, we were just supporting missionaries. and.